0: Hi, I'm Michael G. Williams, and welcome to Social Distancing Radio. I'm a novelist, and a reader and friend asked if I would read from my work as something they might find comforting and familiar amidst the uncertainty and anxiety we're experiencing from multiple sources in 2020 as of this opening i've read perishables the first book of my five book vampire and urban fantasy series the withrow chronicles published by falstaff books aka falstaffbooks.com if you'd like to pick up a copy for yourself head over to bit.ly that's a bit dot l-y slash perishables link now i'm reading from my short stories and other works and occasionally i'll invite on a writer friend for special episodes called public domain radio thanks for listening all righty, let's jump back in to Dracula. I always start it that way. Well, whatever. Um, but I am doing this recording first thing in the morning, so let's have a sip of that Reed and Tea. Mmm, caffeine is a great goodness. What I do without minor legal substances like caffeine and a little booze every now and then, Uh, probably not right very much. Anyway, let's continue Dracula chapter 13, which is apparently 70% of the book. It feels like actually we're like almost at the end of chapter 13, but let's go. The Westminster Gazette twenty five september oh I need to close some browser windows or I am just gonna hear a bunch of notifications okay the westminster blah, 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 blah. the westminster gazette twenty five september a hempstead mystery. The neighborhood of Hampstead is just at present exercised with a series of events which seem to run on lines parallel to those of what was known to the writers of headlines as the Kensington Horror, or the Stabbing Woman, or the Woman in Black. During the past two or three days, several cases have occurred of young children straying from home or neglecting to return from their playing on the heath. In all these cases, the children were too young to give any properly intelligible account of themselves, but the consensus of their excuses is that they had been with a bloofer lady. It has always been late in the evening when they have been missed, and on two occasions the children have not been found until early in the following morning. It is generally supposed in the neighborhood that, as the first child missed, gave as his reason for being away that a bloofer lady had asked him to come for a walk, The others had picked up the phrase and used it as occasion served. This is the more natural, as the favorite game of the little ones at present is luring each other away by wiles. A correspondent writes us that to see some of the tiny tots pretending to be the bloofer lady is supremely funny. Some of our caricaturists might, he says, take a lesson in the irony of grotesque by comparing the reality and the picture. It is only in accordance with general principles of human nature that the bloofer lady should be the popular role at these alfresco performances. Our correspondent naively says that even Ellen Terry could not be so winningly attractive as some of these grubby-faced little children pretend, and even imagine themselves, to be. There is, however, possibly a serious side to the question, for some of the children, indeed all who have been missed at night, have been slightly torn or wounded in the throat. The wounds seem such as might be made by a rat or a small dog, and although of not much importance individually, would tend to show that whatever animal inflicts them has a system or method of its own. The police of the division have been instructed to keep a sharp lookout for straying children, especially when very young, in and around Hampstead Heath, and for any stray dog which may be about. The Westminster Gazette, 25 September, Extra Special. The Hempstead Horror. Another Child Injured. The Bluefer Lady. We have just received intelligence that another child missed last night was only discovered late in the morning under a furze bush at the Shooter's Hill side of Hempstead Heath, which is, perhaps, less frequented than the other parts. It has the same tiny wound in the throat as has been noticed in other cases. It was terribly weak and looked quite emaciated. It, too, when partially restored, had the common story to tell of being lured away by the bloofer lady. I'm going to pause there for just a second to say, I've always wondered what did bloofer lady mean? So I've done some reading and it turns out that that is generally believed to be an attempt to represent the way that a child, like with the not totally developed speech skills of a child who also has a very thick Cockney accent, if you've ever watched EastEnders, you've heard a Cockney accent, would mispronounce or pronounce the word beautiful. That basically the vowels get diphthonged differently and the ways that consonants would get dropped or added in using that accent and with sort of the expected speech patterns of a very small child and what they're trying to tell people is that the person who took them away is the beautiful lady and it comes out sounding like blue fur. So, question answered. I have literally wondered that since mm, seventh grade, I think, is the first time I read this book, which is a long time ago. It's a long time for me to have wondered something without looking it up. But now I've looked it up. That is the end of chapter 13. So let's go ahead and jump right on in to chapter fourteen and keep trucking. Chapter fourteen. Mina Harker's Journal. twenty-three, September. Jonathan is better after a bad night. I'm so glad that he has plenty of work to do, for that keeps his mind off the terrible things. And how I am rejoiced that he is not now weighed down with the responsibility of his new position. I knew he would be true to himself, and now how proud I am to see my Jonathan rising to the height of his advancement and keeping pace in all ways with the duties that had come upon him. He will be away all day till late, for he said he could not lunch at home. My household work is done, so I shall take his foreign journal and lock myself up in my room and read it. 24 September. I had in the heart to write last night. A terrible record of Jonathan's upset me so. Poor dear. How he must have suffered, whether it be true or only imagination. I wonder if there is any truth in it at all. Did he get his brain fever and then write all those terrible things? Or had he some cause for it all? I suppose I shall never know, for I dare not open the subject to him. And yet that man we saw yesterday, he seemed quite certain of him. Poor fellow. I suppose it was the funeral upset him and sent his mind back on some train of thought. He believes it all himself, I remember how, on our wedding day, he said, "'Unless some solemn duty come upon me to go back to the bitter hours, asleep or awake, mad or sane, there seems to be, through it all, some thread of continuity. That fearful Count was coming to London. If it should be, and he came to London, with his teeming millions, there may be a solemn duty, and if it come, we must not shrink from it. I shall be prepared.' I shall get my typewriter this very hour and begin transcribing. Then we shall be ready for other eyes if required, and if it be wanted, then perhaps, if I am ready, poor Jonathan may not be upset, for I can speak for him and never let him be troubled or worried with it at all. If ever Jonathan quite gets over the nervousness, he may want to tell me of it all, and I can ask him questions and find out things, and see how I may comfort him. Letter Van Helsing to Mrs. Harker 24 September, Confidence Dear Madam, I pray you to pardon my writing, and that I am so far, friend, as that I sent to you sad news of Miss Lucy Westenra's death. By the kindness of Lord Godalming, I am empowered to read her letters and papers, for I am deeply concerned about certain matters vitally important. In them I find some letters from you, which show how great friends you are, and how you love her. Oh, Madam Mina, by that love I implore you, help me. It is for others good that I ask, to redress great wrong, and to lift much and terrible troubles, that may be more great than you can know. May it be that I see you. You can trust me. I am friend of Dr. John Seward and of Lord Godalming, that was Arthur of Miss Lucy. I must keep it private for the present from all. I should come to Exeter to see you at once if you tell me I am privileged to come, and where and when. I implore your pardon, madam. I have read your letters to poor Lucy, and know how good you are, and how your husband suffer. So I pray you, if it may be, enlighten him not, lest it may harm. Again your pardon, and forgive me. Van Helsing. Telegram, Mrs. Harker to Van Helsing. 25 September. Come to-day by quarter past ten train if you can catch it. Can see you any time you call. Wilhelmina Harker. That's where I'm going to stop for now, because I just want to take a second to talk about the fact that, okay, one of the things I loved in this reread at the beginning of the book is that the second things get hanky in Castle Dracula, Jonathan is like, okay, some shit's up, and I am going to note it, and I'm not going to pretend that it's not happening. And then the second that she reads Jonathan's, Journal Mina wastes zero time saying things like, oh, well, gosh, he must be crazy or I guess I have to divorce him now or whatever. Not that that existed in that time period, but you know what I mean. She did not feel as her first reflex, the urge to just ditch him and forget that all this happened. Instead, she decides, nope, I've seen the evidence of my senses. This has really affected him. He really believes it. And so I'm going to assume that it is possible that we're going to have to do some real heavy stuff because if this guy is real and he's in London, then we've got problems and I'm going to fix them. I love how direct they are in dealing with their problem. I love that they don't spend a bunch of time dithering. A, A lesser book would have spent chapters with these characters, you know, wheeling around each other, pretending that nothing was happening and trying to convince everybody else that nothing was happening at the same time. None of that here. She literally goes from one day to the next. Okay, time to get out the typewriter, transcribe his journal and make this available to other people if it's needed. I love that. It's just, I love the character of Mina. So there we go. I do kind of retain the canon that she's the reporter in Whitby. Um, and I I just really liked an idea. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. This podcast is released under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. The theme music is Bucked Contemporary Boom by Kara Square, available under a Creative Commons Attribution License at ccmixter.org. Thank you.